Good morning. <laughs> Good to see you. Good, like you said, to be here uh, worshiping with you guys uh, in person. Uh, I've, uh, I've seen just about this much of your church behind me for several months, and so to be able to uh, put it all together is a thrill. I, uh, I reached out to uh, Pastor Daniel and said, hey man, I'm coming to the leadership conference. Are you going to be at it this year? And he, he said, uh, yes. Actually, let, let me start back. Last year, it was kind of him to say that it was my daughter-in-law that said that, and she did say that. But my wife runs up to him at the leadership conference and is like, oh, my gosh, it's like meeting a celebrity, my wife, you know. So, but no, the, but the, so I called him this year to tell him I would be at the leadership conference again. Would you be there? And he said, yes. And I said, great, man. I'm coming a day early. I'm going to come and I'm going to worship with you and your church family at Faith Church. And I'm excited. And he said, oh, man, that'll be great. He's like, would you like to preach for us? And I said, oh, man. I kind of would. I kind of need the break. I kind of, you know, I could take, I had dreams of taking a week off and, and, and I thought about it and I thought to myself, you know what, I can just, I can just preach something that's like, uh, uh, you know, a little easy, uh, to, easy to hear. I can uh, talk about God's love. We can, we can encourage ourselves to, to leave the building here different than we came in today. You know, I could do the sort of the hallmark Christmas of messages. Amen. And, uh, and uh, so I tell him, yes, I'd love to preach at your church. It would be an honor and a privilege uh, to do that. And he said, great, uh, but you can't preach a message you've already preached before you. You can't preach uh, about God's love. No, I have a homework assignment for you. Uh, so he didn't let me preach uh, the softball message I would have uh, hoped to, uh, to plan, but I believe that God's word today uh, is going to be profitable. And I understand that we are working through the book of Acts. Uh, the book of Acts is so rich. It's, as you know, it's the, the, the beginning of the church. And so many wonderful things happen early on. And, and, and now we find ourselves um, towards the end uh, wrapping up Acts, I see, as, as the year uh, comes to a close. And so to honor my brother... I agreed to come and to preach from Acts chapter 25. That being said, would you help me uh, by opening up your Bibles to Acts chapter 9? Acts chapter 9. <laughs> be in Acts chapter 9. We're going to be in verse 15 and 16. We're going to turn the pages uh, this morning of your Bible uh, a little bit. Uh, but Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, this is just a reminder this morning. It says this, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name. This is uh, talking to Ananias. And uh, he says, uh, He will be a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. This was uh, a talking about Paul. And now if you'll turn the pages, just a couple more chapters to Acts 20, uh, verses 22 and 23. Verse 22 says, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains 
and tribulation await. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, to be in your house, Lord, uh, to gather together, Lord, to hear from you, God. And it is our prayer this morning that as we hear from you, God, that we will uh, take what you have said, Lord, and we will be able to apply it to our life. And as we leave this room today, God, that we will be different for it. Lord, we just pray that you will be with everyone who is not here and those of us who are, uh, are joining online. Lord, we just pray that you would be with all of your people in a very special way. Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know that you've uh, been through each of these chapters that we, uh, uh, as you already studied these this morning, but I wanted these two verses to sort of be fresh in our mind uh, as we begin to study this morning. Uh, first of all, A, Paul was a chosen vessel, right? That who would one day proclaim the gospel among Gentiles and kings. And B, Paul accepted his calling uh, uh, with the knowledge um, and the understanding that the path, his conversations and, and his uh, situations would not always be easy. And in fact, he knew just the opposite. Paul knew that he would most definitely face chains and tribulation. And so as Acts 24 closed uh, last week and chapter 25 begins, we have the departing of the governor Felix and the arrival of this new governor, Festus. And as Pastor Daniel mentioned last week, these governors were there for the most part only to soften the relationship between Israel and Rome. They were assigned essentially to keep the peace in the area. So as we begin our reading, we'll be uh, in 25 verses 1 through 3. And we begin our story by saying, Now when Festus had come to the province, after three days he went from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief men of the Jews informed him against Paul. And they petitioned him, asking a favor against him, that he would summon him to Jerusalem while they lay an ambush in the road to kill him. Has everyone here ever heard the statement, time heals all wounds? Or, or what about this statement? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right? This was not the case with the chief men of the Jews, and their relationship with Paul. Uh, Felix refused to make that decision regarding Paul, and so for two years he remained under this uh, house arrest. And during that time, there's no real detail of what Paul was doing, but perhaps the Lord was just providing Paul with some rest, or perhaps he was, uh, Paul was writing. But knowing what we know about Paul's character, it wouldn't be unprecedented to think that he was doing something. Right. But whatever he was doing, it, it wasn't enough to have the Jewish brothers forget him or, or to have their fondness for him grow in his absence. In fact, it was just the opposite. Their desire and plan accelerated during this time. Uh, their their accusations turned to murder. Paul's incarceration hasn't appeased the, the Pharisees. It's escalated uh, their desire for his demise. Simply said, they still don't like Paul. 
And so now we go to verse 4 and 5, and we see that Festus does not agree to summon Paul to Jerusalem. He does not agree to turn him over at first, but instead he invites those who are in charge to return with him to Caesarea and so that they can accuse Paul formally in court again. But now with Festus presiding, this was Festus's responsibility. This is what I want to focus on this morning. Uh, what Festus was going to offer was his duty, right? He was appointed by Caesar to keep the peace, but also he had certain obligations, certain rules as a Roman law. Uh, he, he was expected to hear to that. And so uh, my question this morning is, is, have you ever been promoted in a job? Have you ever uh, maybe gone into management? Well, one of the first things you want to do is you want to establish your style of leadership, right? You want to assert yourself in this new role. You, you often at the same time want to win the respect, though, of, of those that are going to be uh, serving under you, your, your subordinates. And so to do that, you often try and balance your duty with your personal desire. Duty, I looked it up, I love to Google things, my church laughs at me all the time, but duty is this, a moral or legal obligation, a responsibility, right? And a desire is a strong feeling or, or, a, or a wanting to have something or wishing for something to happen or to go a certain way. And so Felix and Festus both struggled with this idea, they had a sense of duty and obligation to do what was right, but they also both struggled with their own desire for the situation uh, to go their way or to go away. Felix even hoped for money from Paul so he could just let him go. Uh, uh, they desired to de deal with Paul and even on a more convenient time, as Brother Daniel preached last week. Man, who needed that message? There's no more time. Amen. They are accountable to this higher authority. They have a duty to perform. And in verse 6, we see Festus perform that duty. In Acts chapter 5, verses 6, it says, And when he had remained among them for more than ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, he commanded Paul to be brought, fulfilling his duty. And when he had come, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood about and laid many serious complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. And while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. That is Paul's response. So Festus holds another trial. And he allows the prosecution and the defense, he allows Paul to plead their case. And Festus, at the very least, seems genuine enough to do what he's supposed to do. He performs his duty, right? Wrong. In verse 9, it says, But Festus, wanting to do the Jews a favor, answered Paul and said, are you willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged before me concerning these things? Wanting to do a favor for the Jews. Willing to look the other way as a favor, to win favor among the Jewish people, to make his job easier, to keep the peace. Festus was willing to let Paul, with no proof at all that he'd done anything wrong, 
face the wrath of those that wanted to do him harm. This was not his duty this morning. This was his desire. In verse 10, so Paul said, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews I have done no wrong, as you very well know, for I am an if for for if I am an offender or have committed anything deserving of death, I do not object to dying, but there is nothing in these things of which these men accuse me. No one can deliver me to them. I appeal to Caesar. Paul appeals to Festus, Festus's Roman uh, uh, sensibilities. He appeals uh, to his sense of duty, and Festus answers Paul in verse 12 saying, Then Festus, when he had conferred with his counsel, answered, You have appealed to Caesar. Caesar, you shall go. You know, pastoring a church is a new position for me. I'm just 11 months, 12 months into my pastorate. And there's so much that I have to learn. I was telling Eric before service, there's so much that I don't know what I don't know, you know. And the situation of my church is different uh, than the situation that you have here. You already have the perfect pastor. You already have uh, the perfect uh, guy for the job. He paid me extra for that. <laughs> Amen, brother. <laughs> but my church doesn't have that. They have me. And I'm thankful for God's calling on my life. And I'm, and I'm honored uh, to be called to the position of pastor. And I understand that I have a, a certain duty, that I have to be obedient to God in my position. However, I catch myself all the time promoting or working towards uh, the things that I desire from my church. I want to establish my ministry, Brother Daniel. I have a desire for this program to take place. I have a desire for the church to, to, to go in this direction. It's real easy for me to lose sight uh, to what I'm called to do and focus instead on the things that I want to do. I, I catch myself in, in, in various stages of this all the time. When I'm when I'm so focused on my desire uh, uh, and what I really want to do is be focused on what God's desire is and what he wants. Right. Duty, obligation. You know, not, not, it's not just a minister thing. It's not just a pastor thing. Church, I'm here to tell you that this is a Christian thing that that is our job to to share Christ above all else. We have to make that our true desire. We We are. We are focused on our own agenda this morning. If we, if we do that, we will miss opportunity from God. As we continue in our text, verse 13, we have two characters that enter the scene. King Agrippa and his sister. Interesting thing about King Agrippa real quick. He's the grandson of Herod the Great. You may know that name. It's Christmas time. He's He's the one that had all the babies killed at the time of Jesus' birth. So this is not a, a great guy from great lineage, but the, there'll be more significance to him uh, later in chapter 26. But this morning, I want us to pay close attention to Festus in the next 10 verses. Acts 25, verse 13, it says, And after some days, King Agrippa and Bernice came to Caesarea, to greet Festus. He's the new governor, so they came down to, to, to congratulate him. And when he had been there many days, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, 
saying, There is a certain man left a prisoner by Felix, about whom the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me when I was in Jerusalem, asking for a judgment against him. To them I answered, It is not the custom of the Romans to deliver any man to destruction before the accused meets the accusers face to face and, and has opportunity to answer for himself concerning the charge against him. Therefore, when they had come together without any delay, the next day I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought in. When the accuser stood up, they brought no accusation against him of such things as I supposed. But when some questions against him about their own religion and a certain Jesus who had died, whom Paul affirmed to be alive, I want everyone to place a mental bookmark there. And when I was uncertain of such questions, I asked whether he was willing to go to Jerusalem and there be judged concerning these matters. But when Paul appealed uh, to be reserved for the decision of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I could send him to Caesar. Festus was concerned with himself. Festus was concerned with his situation, his responses, his decision, his leadership. He uses the word I over and over again in, in those passages, and he misses the most important message of this whole section, uh, of this whole situation that he's been dealing with Paul. He misses the only thing that matters, the message of Christ. Festus missed it. He misses the crutch of Paul's defense. Something about their own religion, he says. Something about this Jesus. Something about how he's still being alive. Why? Because it was all about himself. It was all about his own desire. I love when Pastor Daniel calls you guys friends. Can I call you friends this morning? Friends. When we are more focused on our own agenda, when we seek our own desires, we miss what God has for us. We miss Jesus, and so will those around us. You see, on the other side of the coin, Paul remained focused. No matter how it looked, sounded, no matter how many times he'd answered the same false accusations, no matter how many times he would be thrown into jail, Paul wasn't promoting his own agenda. Paul was fulfilling his duty. In fact, his duty was also his desire. Everyone to know Christ. That was Paul's mission. And my, my guess is a moment with Paul meant a moment of introduction to Christ. Many souls won for Christ by Paul. Some missed it. Some didn't get it. Some didn't see the significance. The Pharisees, they didn't get it. Felix didn't have time for it. Festus wasn't concerned with it. But the resurrection will come to the just and the unjust. And this is the sad reality of life, friends, that not all will come to know Jesus, but his desire is that all will. And it is our duty this morning and every morning to share. And so to be, to be clear with our message, to love, to lead by example, 
to be witnesses. Oh, it's so, so simple. Um, my, my cousin has this, this poster on her wall. And it says, if we were, if we were all placed on trial like Paul, uh, accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict? 